Well, good morning to those of you here and certainly to those of you that are watching online. I'm uh, Michelle Andrews, the associate pastor here, and um, it is good to be together on this day. If you would like to follow along, there are sermon notes that you can access um, on our app. Last Sunday, we talked about developing lives that are rooted in God. And we said this. Maybe. There we go. Lives that are rooted in God are nourished with the strength needed to stand firm in whatever life brings. And I use the image of two plants. A newly planted um, plant that was new into the soil and a plant that had been well established in the soil um, and wondered, asked, which do we think is more susceptible to outward forces, rain and wind and all of that kind of stuff. The plant with the less developed roots is more likely to be damaged by the things that happen to it. The plant that had been in the ground longer and had had a chance for those roots to really sink down into the soil um, was uh, less likely to be damaged by things that happened to it. It had that strength underneath that sustained it. And we talked about our faith being similar. New faith, when we are new to the faith, um, we need that time to develop those roots that are well grounded in the soil to strengthen us. More uh, longer in the faith, um, those roots have had time to go down, but this is a lifelong process, right? None of us here today or those of you who are online have roots of faith that have grown as deep as they're going to go. If we are continuing to seek to follow Jesus, always those roots will be going deeper and deeper. And the deeper they go, the stronger we are and the better able that we are to weather the challenges and difficulties that life brings. And I talked about three ways to develop strong roots of faith. Nourishment, encouragement, and unity. Finding um, that strength and that encouragement in the scriptures as you read them, as you study them, as you're in small groups, as you are uh, spend time in prayer and worship. Wisdom, that head knowledge, that understanding and knowledge that we gain from reading the scriptures, from being in a small group or a class where we can talk about it and ask questions and wrestle with those things that don't quite make sense to us and figure out how what scripture says applies to our own life. And connection, faith and gratitude. When you are a part of a community of faith, and all of us that are worshiping today are a part of this community of faith, we help nurture each other. It's one of the important things about being together. So these three things we have to practice. They might not come to you very naturally. There's always more to be learned and grown um, in them. And the more we practice them, the more disciplined we are with them, the more they become habits and patterns and the rhythm of our living, our roots continue to grow and deepen and give us that strength. I am terrible at leaving a conversation and five minutes or five days later thinking, ah, oh, darn it, I should have said this. So, since I'm here the second week in a row, I had that moment this week, and there was one thing that I should have said last week. P 
people who are seeking to develop strong roots of faith create churches, create communities of faith with strong roots of faith. This congregation, as any congregation, ones that you've been in the past or will be in the future, has faced hard things. That is a part of life. And while there have been times when it has felt like we were unsteady, where maybe it felt like we weren't sure we were standing on anything like solid ground over and over and over again, I have seen the people of this church pull together and remember where our faith lies and remember who is the source of our strength and continue to live into who God is calling us to be. That is part of what a community of faith does for each other. Last week, we looked at a short passage from Colossians 2. And if you were with us for worship, you might remember that um, the book of Colossians is actually a letter that Paul wrote to several new churches, these new congregations that were forming um, following Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, and he was sort of their teacher their guide, their mentor about how to live in faith, how to have a relationship with each other and a relationship with God. This was a community of young Christians who were learning and practicing what it meant to live as Christians. What did it mean for their worship? What did it mean for their business? What did it mean for their everyday life? What did it mean for their relationships? And that's a question that you and I should be asking ourselves today. What does it mean for you in your business, in your relationships, in all of your life that you are seeking to be a disciple of Jesus? In this chapter, Paul reminds these early Christians and reminds us too that we have received Christ. That has been done. And in that, we have been given the fullness of life that God intends for us. In that, we have been made alive. And those things of the past, our old habits, our old sin, our old way of thinking and believing are done. And there is this whole new life that we are invited to step into. Today, we're going to look at um, some verses from Colossians 3. So the next chapter after last week um, in which Paul talks about some of the practical ways that our lives should be different because we have committed to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, because we're trying to live into this new life that God gives us in Jesus. So let's hear this morning's scripture. It's uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, verses 12 through 14. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
thanks be to God. There are two reminders I want us to catch that are right at the beginning of um, this passage. And the first one is to remember your baptism. Paul writes, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. There is this image of rising from the waters of baptism where we publicly affirm that God is at work in us. Baptism is an outward sign, an outward symbol of the work that we believe that God is doing in our lives, redeeming us, healing us, calling us to live in ways that bring about God's kingdom. In baptism, the water, whether it's immersion or sprinkling or pouring, reminds us that God forgives our sins and calls us to live in new ways. In this past year, we have had the opportunity to do a couple of adult baptisms. And while there is great joy when we baptize an infant or a child and stand alongside that family and say, we are coming around you uh, to affirm that you will raise this child in Christ, when an adult makes that decision, um, for me, there's this whole different side of joy. Someone is making that choice for themselves that they are going to follow Christ. If you have not yet been baptized and are interested in knowing more, please know that you can email or call Reverend Nicole or me, and we would be happy uh, to talk with you. This image of baptism, this image of coming up out of the water, would be familiar, we think, to the people who were living at Colossae. We can suppose that many of those who were hearing this letter read in their new church had themselves recently been baptized. This was a new church following how Jesus lived and taught. And so they would have understood and related to the images and the symbolism of coming up out of the water into a new life. What was their old life and their old ways was in the past. They had come up out of the water to fully step into and claim the newness, the new way of living that God had for them. The other thing that uh, these verses remind us of is Easter. And this passage is sometimes the scripture used on Easter Sunday morning. Because through Jesus' resurrection, we are promised the hope of eternal life and are given new life. So Paul is saying to those who hear this letter, us included today, remember what Christ has already done for you. Live in the fullness and the newness of this life that you have been given. The old life can be set aside and left behind and put to death. Because in Jesus, we have a whole brand new life, and that is what shapes us and defines us and what gives us hope and encouragement to live. And for that to happen, this lifelong process of faith that we are in, for our lives to be fully and completely transformed, we have to turn our eyes, we have to turn our focus away from what was the old in these scriptures when it talks about earth, that's meaning the old way of life, and look instead at a new life with Jesus, that fullness of life, and um, heaven is what clues us in that we're looking forward and away from the past. Our life as Christians is a movement from death into life. 
Have any of you ever created a vision board or are you familiar with what they are? It's a board, um, very personal, that you put words or pictures or quotes, um, things that you want to come into your life. And very often they're done um, on some big occasion, a birthday, the start of the new year, a new job. And this board, whatever is on it for you, serves as a focus. It was reminding you of where you want to go, where you want to be. Paul says in this passage, set your minds on things that are above, those new things, and not on things that are on earth, the old things. So, where are you going? Where are your eyes focused today? Where is your vision leading you? We all have times when our vision gets focused on the past, but God calls us to have our vision always focused on the new and the new life and the new way of living. And as we do that, God transforms our hearts and our lives and strengthens us for life and prepares us for the fullness of eternity that is to come. Paul says, set your minds on things that are above, not on earth. Do you remember when either you were learning to drive or that joy of joys when you're teaching your children to drive? Been through that twice and I'm good, don't need to do that one again. I think it was my dad who gave me some great advice when I was learning to drive and it had to do with corners and especially um, we have some intersections here in town that are big corners. There is a lot going on and there is a lot of space for you to turn yourself um, into. And he said, don't look right in front of the car where you are. Look ahead to where you want to go. And as I started to do that and practice that, I found that um, I was less likely to end up in someone else's lane. I was more likely to stay where I was supposed to be in navigating that turn. For us as Christians, maybe life is the same, or we can look at it in the same way. There are lots of turns and corners in life. And if what I am focused on is right in front of me, it's going to be hard to navigate those difficult times. And I may end up accidentally sliding into, so to speak, the lane of old habits, old ways of thinking. But if my focus is where I want it to be, if I'm staying focused on worship and Bible study and prayer and being open to listening to what God wants to speak into my heart and life, then the roots of my faith are deepening. And those turns and corners that come can be more easily and better managed. I think one of the things that many of us struggle with is our worth, our self-worth. And I think a lot of that has to do with where our focus is. If our focus is on the earth or the old, the list of things that you and I could write about ourselves that we think makes us unworthy of God's love would go on and on and on. But if our eyes are focused ahead to the new life that God has for us in Jesus, then I think we're better able to accept that God loves us, that God has chosen us, 
that work has already been done by Jesus on the cross. There is not one thing that we can do to earn or unearn God's love and God's grace. It has been given to us. So I want you to hear that God loves you, that God has chosen you, that God's voice is louder than our own voice that we speak into ourselves sometimes. And when we begin to follow Jesus, when we die to the old and are raised up in the new, we take on the qualities of those new lives. We become new people who interact with others in the world in new ways. Paul lists them at the end of today's passage for the young believers in Colossae, who were learning how to live as individuals, but also as the church. And he instructs them to clothe themselves with these virtues, to put them on. The clothes that you and I wear, other people see. That's what they see on us. So when we put on these virtues, other people should see. Have you ever had a job that required a uniform? Any of us have. I live with someone. My husband is a letter carrier, so he puts on his uniform every morning. And if you were to see him out, you would think, well, there goes a mailman. And he's not here at nine, so I can say that. If you saw someone in brown shorts and a brown shirt, you would think, oh, there's the UPS guy. If you saw a man or a woman in dark pants with some things on their chest, you might think, there goes a fireman or a firewoman. Uniforms identify us. They show others that we belong somewhere, that we belong to other people. So putting on or clothing ourselves with the virtues that Paul lists today is very similar. As Christians, people should see something different in how we live and interact in the world. And so let's look at these virtues that Paul offers to us. The first is compassion, to have a deep sensitivity to the needs and sorrows of others. Selfishness and compassion exist very well together. Selfishness holds us back to what we want or what we feel or what we think we need. Compassion, however, gives us eyes that are always looking at the other, what they want or need or what is causing them hurt. Paul tells us to put on kindness, to have a Christ-like attitude toward others. We read in the scriptures, if you look at how Jesus interacted with people, Jesus didn't judge people who others judged. He treated them with respect and with care and with kindness. And we're called to remember that we have a responsibility to look at other people in the way that Jesus looks at us. Humility is the third one, and I liked this quote from C.S. Lewis. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I think humility can be a tricky thing sometimes because there is this balance between loving ourselves and loving others. And I think what he's saying here is it's not putting ourselves down or putting um, ourselves below someone else. We are all equal in God's sight. It's where do we put our attention and our focus on the needs and the wants of others. Paul tells us to put on meekness, to show a gentle humility toward others. 
Paul tells us to put on patience. And I loved this definition, that patience is um, an example that there is love between us. If there is love between us and we are called to love all people, then we are more likely to create that space of waiting. Um, I get impatient sometimes. I think that we all do. And I am not always um, pleasant when I am impatient, right? We get cranky and we get frustrated. And sometimes our actions come out of that place of frustration. But if we can hold that there is love between us, we're more likely to wait in that space with patience and with kindness and with humility. We're called to bear with one another, to be willing to put up with differences. This instructs us to stand together with those you care about even when they frustrate or annoy you. We all have those moments or those days uh, when we are not at our best, but it doesn't mean that we can't still be loved. And it doesn't mean that we still want, don't want people to come around us and be with us in that space. Paul tells us to put on forgiveness. He says, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. In Jesus, every wrong thing that we have done or will do has been forgiven. It's a free gift given to us. Out of that, we are called to look at others in the way that God looks at us and to offer forgiveness to others. And last, which is what Paul says is the most important, is to love one another. He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. When we love in real and active ways, all of those other virtues that Paul lists, will be evident in our lives. When we choose to follow Christ, when we choose to keep our eyes and our vision and our focus on him, we will know the love that God gives to us, the love which God first showed to us, the love that enables us to love others. God loved us first with a love that is selfless and compassionate and kind and patient and humble. That's the love that we are to have for ourselves and for others. When we put on love, when we let it be what leads and guides us, our lives become new and different, and it's a difference that people can recognize in us. So plant your roots deeply, knowing that you are loved and chosen. I want to close with this verse from John 15, 12. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. Let us pray. Loving and holy God, we are grateful that before we could claim it or understand it, that you loved us, that you offer us through Jesus forgiveness and grace, that you call us to set aside the old things, to focus our eyes on you, and to live into the new things that you have for us. So strengthen and encourage us as people and as this church to be your people who claim that we are loved and chosen and to live in ways that shares that with others. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.